following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Hailing from the Pro Wrestling Tees headquarters in Chicago, Illinois, they are your hosts of the PWT cast, Scrub and Stay! Bang, bang, what is up, you guys? Welcome to episode 114 of the PWT cast. My name is Scrump. And this is Stank. This is the official podcast of Pro Wrestling Tees. We bring you... Uh, Brand new episodes right here every week. Normally it would be a Monday, but due to scheduling conferences, uh, this is coming out Tuesday today. Um, of course, you can follow us on social media. We're at PWTCast on Instagram and Twitter. We have a Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash PWTCast. We do a movie review show there. We do a conspiracy theory sort of spooky show there. And of course, we have some episodes of a Power Rangers retrospective that we did uh, uh, several episodes of. Um, and of course, that's all at patreon.com forward slash PWTCast and um dave i'm super excited for, for this episode in particular because of course mm-hmm. for for those of you guys who don't have a calendar at home uh spooky season has started um dave and i actually kicked it off by a, a, a review of the babadook uh over at our patreon which um if you'll you'll hear the story of uh how i thought <laughs> Uh, of my history with the Babadook, as in my head, it was some some long illustrious, you know, cryptid or or spooky story that we all knew about, and uh, it's a creature of legend. It's a creature of legend, apparently. Yeah. No, but uh, you know, I alluded to it last week, last week's episode, that um, we want to do something different here for, for the month of October. So, of course, as we mentioned, we do our movie reviews every Friday, but with it being October, I, I figured let's just let's go let's let's go all out with it. So. Um, we'll have the Brody King double feature as this week we'll be talking about Beetlejuice and next week we'll be talking about uh, Scream, the original Scream. And then uh, we'll have two more episodes. Uh, tentatively scheduled, we'll be talking Midsummer and Train to Busan. So that'll be right here on this very free feed. But of course, we will be having um, our Patreon movies as well. And this week, Dave and I will be uh, talking Shaun of the Dead over at the Patreon. So if you're interested in signing up, uh, it's, as, it's as low as $5, and uh, there, there's a lot of fun content on there, so uh, go ahead and check that out. But Dave, um, with Halloween having started, I saw that the Stankin family uh, hit their first haunted house. How was that? Oh, man. So um, I had re- I'll be honest with you. I had reservations because I don't know if you've been to the Statesville Haunted Prison in Illinois, but it's one of the bigger ones. It's one of the more elaborate ones. And, um, I actually, I haven't been there since Peyton was inside my wife's tummy. She was pregnant with Peyton when we went. So it's, you know, it'd been about 14 years and Peyton was really excited. It started out. I was going to take her to fright fest with all of her friends from softball. And then it just turned into this, Oh, we can't, we can't be dropped off at your house. Can you come get me? Can you come get me? My parents can't go. And then it was all of a sudden we're giving all these girls rides from different cities. And then we got to watch them all at Fright Fest. So we're like, no way. Um, so my daughter was disappointed, but then we were like, let's go to Statesville Haunted Prison. I will say I just recovered from COVID and then I saw how many people were there and I was like, oh, this was a horrible idea. But luckily every, they had, a, everyone was masked. Everyone was, uh, staying reasonably apart when you're in a haunted house everyone's kind of mashed up together anyways but um i feel like we did we did pretty good and i'll tell you like funny story when we went the last time as you're as you're getting near the end of the haunted house they 
constructed this. You, you know, in uh, X Men, <laughs> when uh, they walk into Cerebrus, yeah, and and there's like this long walkway, and there's like a big dome. Yeah. So they kind of they kind of recreate that, but it's a long walkway, and then the entire room rotates like a big toilet paper tube around you. Are you sure and you did it enter Cerebro? It felt like it. And and then there's like there's black lights and then they paint like a like a swirly like hypnosis pattern around this tube. So when you're walking through it, it makes you feel like the catwalk is turning and like almost like you're on a boat. And so when we first went, I felt the effects of it and then I realized uh Annie was in front of me. And I was like, oh, no, she must be feeling it worse. I'll save her. So I grab her and then I, I take us both down. <laughs> like she could have made it on herself and, and I, I made it worse. And so she always tells the story that, hey, remember when you almost killed me and your and your unborn child because he tried to save me in the spinning <laughs> tunnel? And, you know, so Peyton knows about it. And she finally got to go. They, they had it mm-hmm. at this one. And uh, so, no, it was fun. As you'll hear. uh in our interview, Halloween's a great time. And I, th- I think you, I, and Brody King all agree. One of the best holidays ever created. So uh, it was really good. Gr- it was really great to start off spoopy season with a uh, little haunted house action. Yeah. I mean, listen, I am, I am not good with haunted houses. Um, no. So I just, listen, I mean, I just don't like being scared and I'll listen, right. I'll, I'll do them. But like the most I, the most I've done is, um, like Six Flags at, for Fright Fest, whatever they had right. their, um, you know, their Halloween, whatever fucking haunted houses. And I, I, and I feel the fun of it is like anticipating, you know, because you see something and you're like, I fucking know, I know someone is standing right there. I fucking know some. And then because you're so focused on that, someone just comes, you know, from your side and it's like, boo. And you're like, oh, you fucking, um, yeah. Like, again, it's one of those things like, I I guess it really kind of depends who you're with. Like, again, I went, I've, I've not gone in years. And when I did go, it was my ex-girlfriend and it was not fun. Um, (laughs) and dude, someone had, someone had like a panic attack where they had to call like EMTs because they got like, so spooked but they're not really that scary but like no like i'll do those but when it's like statesville and all that shit i'm good i know andrew who works at the shop he works at one um and he's always like oh yeah you should go you should go um but i'm kind of a wuss i mean listen i i would go i'm not opposed to it you know but it's definitely not my first i will definitely be like oh we are maybe we should go to six flags instead because those are really fun um yeah no i'm super excited for halloween like i've been um so i don't know about you I, i've been watching a horror movie every night i did mm. um uh jeez what the hell was it oh it was Shaun of the dead the first night you know we were reviewing right it. right then i did uh you're next and then last night um i watched trick-or-treat which is it's very i don't know have, have you seen trick-or-treat no i know what it is but i, I haven't seen it very good one i th- i think i think i might call an audible and say we should do that for the for the uh patreon just because it's it's very well i feel like it's up your alley but um i did that um i'm debating on on what to do tonight so it's one of those things where like i i I will i will make a list of 31 horror movies to watch but then i also have the alternates and then i'm sometimes i'm like uh you know what i don't really want to watch pet cemetery and think i want to instead i think i want to watch like 
uh, The Exorcist, you know? And then I just, I mean, again, I'm someone, if I want to, if I want to watch a movie, I'll just, I'll watch it. Um, but right. it, it is fun. It is, it is fun, you know, like, um, just rewatching those. Cause some of them you don't, you haven't watched, um, like child's play is child's play is one that I want to watch. And, and, and by the way, uh, you know, friend of the show, uh, Juan Cadavid, you know, he, he's been on before he works over at sci-fi wire. Um, he, he had a, a, a short lived series on there called everything, you didn't know which is typically covering older cartoons like the the beetlejuice cartoon the uh back to the Fe- i don't think he did back to the Fe- like the mortal Kombat cartoon uh, right you know sh- like uh, street sharks things like that they they had him bring it back to talk about the the first three uh child's play movies really fun video i, I would suggest watching it because it was one of those like oh yeah the second movie would have just all been uh you know avoided if fucking andy would have just not grabbed another one of those dolls after the first one terrorized him he's like i think this one will be fun um but yeah this is again just halloween in general like i um i mean i went to like a alien it was like a glow-in-the-dark alien themed mini golf place with a with a with a friend um shout out indiana and that was kind of spooky but not really you know they had a right but again it's just it's always fun like the, the activities and stuff that there are to do during october again i'm someone i i really i like colder weather i like being able to wear sweaters i just i like the the aura of right um october and things like that and so yeah so it, it's fun to um it's fun that we're finally in october and we're, we're kind of getting into it as well as it's going to be a pretty eventful month for us um yeah i finally was able to find my passport and vaccine card um, for some reason, David, it was with my betting. So I guess, and makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I have it just organized by colors and thankfully I wanted the dark blue one because I had been tore my room apart, tore my room apart. I was in my car looking for, I just, I could not remember where I put it. And I was like, Oh, whatever. I'll continue the search tomorrow. I did laundry. I was like, let me, let me switch out the betting. Wouldn't you know it? It was right there. But, of course, uh, we will be on the Jericho Cruise, um, which means there will be another Jericho Cruise episode. Mm-hmm. Dare I say, Dave, I think the, that first Jericho Cruise episode we did, so much fun, you know? So fun. So fun. Like, it's so – it. the way I've always pitched it, it starts with a story of, uh, of Frank and Melissa Spahik finding a dead person in the apartment next door to them and ends with us almost finding a dead person in our room. Uh, yep. So for, you know, if you want to hear that, go, go, you know, head over to, uh, you know, the past episodes, listen to the first Jericho Cruise episode. It's somewhere in like the, the twenties. Um, Actually, speaking of the Jericho Cruise, one, we have an announcement to make about uh, M4, probably toys now. Uh, stupid Michael Heredia had his baby. And it'll be M3 if he goes on that cruise. <laughs> and because of that i think he thinks he's going on this cruise i first of all when you guys hear this episode i I know a lot of you like post on twitter and stuff what do you think about stupid michael just having his beautiful baby girl just days ago and then also on the 21st being on a cruise ship sailing the high seas with us do you think that's sensible? Do you think it's going to work? Well, it's only it's only one baby that Monica would be watching, right? They have no other children that she would be, you know, tasked with taking care of. 
well, it's replacing one child with another because he'll be gone, but then she'll just have a younger child there. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, congratulations to the Heredias. Yeah, congratulations um, to both of them. They're beautiful baby daughter. She, Michael, showed me a picture. Looks just like him. Like that boy. Um, very feminine. <laughs> very, very strong genes uh, on that yeah. man. Very tight genes on him. Very strong genes in his family. But of yes, course, congratulations yes. to them. Of course, you know we we've had Michael on several times. I believe Monica was on once before. Um, but yeah, c- congratulations to them. Um, again, so it is a pretty long episode. We have a Brody this week, so the intro won't be as long. Um, the one thing I do want to address, because especially with as much shit as I talked about it last week, um, this 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 past current episode of What If, Dave, 100%, 10 out of 10, would recommend it if you've not seen it. It was just amazing. Like, uh you know, you, you have a, you have, it, it's what if Ultron won? And it is perhaps the most exciting 30 minutes of this show that I've yet to watch. I don't know that speaking of spooky season, that show is dead to me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, and I don't think, I don't think anything could bring it back. <laughs> I don't feel like this episode might change your mind, but I get that. Um, yeah. a, another kind of Marvel thing that came out this week that neither you and I have really watched is a uh, venom. Um, I've heard the spoilers, guys. Yeah, everyone. I've heard the spoil. I watched the spoilers because Johnny sent me a video. Uh, yeah, very low res, very bad quality. <laughs> um, but yeah, things seem to be happening with that movie's making a ton of money. Again, personally, don't give a shit about Venom. Venom to me is, um, he's a character like the Incredible Hulk or the Punisher, where I don't want to see. I don't want to see too much of them. I want them right. to kind of come in, hit your moves, and then get the fuck out. Um, and again, I'm, I'm just, I've wanted Tom Hardy to play Wolverine and, um, that's not going to happen. So I'm just going to be, I'm going to cross my arms and not watch this movie. I I will tell you guys. Um, so I know what happens in the movie cause I love spoiling myself. Um, I think I may have turned the corner on Venom and not because I heard any spoilers and not because, I've gone back and watched the first one and changed my mind. Um, I was watching, I think it was Variety was doing uh, Andy Serkis, who was the director of this famous, famous mocap actor, famous uh, actor. Yeah. And so he was the director of Venom and he broke down a fight scene between Venom and Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock in the movie and the amount of passion he had for the scene and the gleam in his eye describing how much he loved working on the movie. <laughs> there was a, it was like the Grinch and his heart grew three times bigger. Like all my cynicism went away. Cause I saw how much he really enjoyed making the movie and Andy circus. I mean, he's no slouch. He's been on some of the biggest, baddest movies and some of the biggest franchises of all time. I mean, if anyone knows anything about movies, it's that guy. And just watching him talk about this scene, it's like a breakup scene inside Eddie Brock's apartment where they're just at odds. And I think we see it in the in the trailer where uh, Venom comes out like a like a snake and headbutts him in the face a couple times. And just the way they talked about it, and the way he talked about Tom Hardy and how um, invested he was in the character, it kind of broke my icy cold heart. And so I think, 
And also my daughter was like, I want to see Venom 2. And I was like, you never even seen Venom 1. She's like, I don't care. And so like, I'm like, maybe I should watch Venom with Peyton and maybe I should take her to see Venom 2. I don't know. It's crazy because I'm the, I'm the biggest hater of the idea of this version of Venom mm-hmm. as a movie. But what can I say? Times are a change. And I think, I mean, yeah, my opinion's not really changed. Uh, I, I also spoiled myself through the movie, and I'm like, yeah, I'm got like there was a there was a woman I was talking to for a while, and she was very much into Venom, and because I liked her, I was also very much quote unquote into Venom, and they got to be stopped talking because I was just like, oh, I'm gonna have to fucking take this girl to see Venom, like I hated <laughs> the first one. Um, thankfully, this new girl likes better movies, um, but yeah, I mean, again, I'm just like, and I don't it, clearly we're going to be seeing some more of Venom and yes maybe when this movie is streaming I'll give it a watch but I'm also I'm not going to rush out to the theaters to watch it you know right I'm just yeah yeah not not really going to rush out out there to to see that um one one thing I did want to mention though uh is so we, we kind of we talked about the Jericho Cruise um when we rec- so we recorded an episode with Ryan Barkin, a CEO of Pro Wrestling Tees, and uh, you know we said, hey, we're going to do another an episode. We're going to do a Q and Stank episode with him. You know, a, a questionnaire show. Uh, well, a funny thing happened. CM Punk came back to wrestling, and that sort of put the kibosh on all those plans for. We had no time for anything. No time for anything. Uh, yeah. F- for those of you guys, members of of, of the Patreon. Um, you guys will be receiving your stickers. I'm I'm throwing in two special treats. I'm not even gonna tell people what it is. Two special treats as as a thank you and as a sorry because again we've been so busy. We're finally we're we're there. The finish line is is right there. If you're waiting for your order, it's it, it your stuff should be coming. The the finish line is almost there. Um, so we will be wrapping that up, but we will be having a uh, a Q and Stank episode, uh, a questionnaire episode, basically, um, with Ryan Barkin because we're going to be stuck on the Jericho cruise with him, and we're going to force him to record with us. So more more information on that. Um, but if you wanted to sign up again, now is the time. Now is a good time as any. It's the first week of October. Um, again, we have a bunch of movie reviews and, and some fun conspiracy theory ones. We just did a show on on Bigfoot, which kind of delve into like, oh no, 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 um the Babadook episode was like a heavy mental health episode way more yes. than I think either of us thought was going to be going into it. Um, but yeah, of course, patreon.com forward slash PWT cast. Um, yeah, it should be fun recording with Ryan as much as he says he doesn't like podcasting. Uh, we don't, he does. He, yeah. he likes podcasting with us, which is a good thing. Um, but Dave, uh, again, well, let's just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cut to the chase now again, because it was a pretty long episode that we did with Brody again, super fucking awesome. We, you know, we love Brody here at the PWT cast and, um, any excuse to have him back on, you know, that's why I was, ex- and, and he, he was so generous with his time with us too. Yeah. I've, because I'm so used to just like Dave and I talking forever. I forgot like, Oh, I didn't ask him if he had anywhere to be or anything to do we we looked up and we're like holy shit we talked for a long time yeah so, so uh again and this is part of a brody king double feature so this week we'll be talking with him um about beetlejuice and next week we'll be talking about scream the original scream so uh without any further ado let's go ahead and get into this week's interview uh with the one and only brody king Monster 
Dave, with Halloween upon us, we thought for sure there's only one way that we could um, start off the month of October. We have plenty of friends. We have plenty of people that have come on before, plenty of people we want on the show. But when you think of like who embodies like the spirit of Halloween, um, well, there's only one person that we could ask. and Dan Housen. Dan Housen, of course. But he said no. He's dodged us multiple times. Uh, <laughs> and so I said, Dan Housen, do you know anyone? He's like, well, I know Brody. And I was like, all right. Um, of course, you know, he, he's the leader of Violence Unlimited. He's the lead singer of God's Hate. He's one half of the newly crowned PWG Tag Team Champions. He's Xbox's favorite wrestler. Uh, he's our favorite guest that we've had on. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Brody King. When you say all those things at once, it makes me sound a lot cooler than I am. <laughs> I mean, you are like pretty fucking cool, dude. Like it's, yeah. uh, you know, like I, it's one of those things where um, we always talk about, like we've made a lot of connections through this and like, you're one of those people where it's just like, oh man, who knew that just by like, Hey, do you want to come on and talk about <laughs> fucking Watchmen that, you know, like we we get to have you on here, and I and I did pop sure. the other day when X Pac had you, uh, Marty DeRosa, and Sarah Shockey like on one episode. I was like, that's a yeah. very that's a very me specific podcast. Yeah, you're you're targeted for that one. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, I, I, it is it is also funny because it's like, you know, obviously people are probably going to hear this and be mad about it, but I get so many like podcast requests every week, and I just don't even respond to most of them. Uh, but honestly. The, you know the formula if you just tell me to talk about comic books or movies i'm gonna come <laughs> well that's even with like dave and i we're like sometimes we'll have people reach out and be like hey do you want this reg- wrestling legend uh on your podcast and we're like i don't know are they gonna be able to talk like marvel and shit like what's his favorite superhero no we don't <laughs> want him well, I, like Dave and I had the conversation when we interviewed eric bischoff which was, was cool eric bischoff one of the coolest dudes ever um but like afterwards, I was like, how awesome would it have been when I asked him? Because I was like, oh, what are you currently watching on TV? And like, what was it, Dave? It was a bunch of like random like British dramas. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, nothing nothing too cool. <laughs> He's watching Peaky Blinders or some shit. Not even yeah. that. It was just like, oh, some like BBC documentary. And I was hoping. I was like, how cool would it have been? He's like, you know what? I just started watching this low-key TV show. Um Cause that just would have been like cool for like an Eric yeah. Bischoff to, to randomly watch, um, which funny enough. So like, you know, obviously we do these podcasts and then uh, I think one of the easy things that makes it, it will makes it easy for me to get Brody on here is uh, he made the fatal mistake of giving me his number so I can just bother <laughs> him uh, at the time being. But I remember um, kind of like at the start of the pandemic or whenever WandaVision came out, Brody and I would just like, every like what friday because i think they would come out thursdays yeah we would like dm be like dude did you see that and there was one specific episode where um quick where quicksilver shows up who we think is quicksilver the ralph boner episode where he shows boner, up at the yeah. end. and i remember out of context having not seen the episode yet i tweet out um I, the the gif from event from age of ultron where it's like uh, i bet you didn't see that coming much like with most of my posts and things that don't have any context to it, it usually pertains to a girl. And so sure enough, Brody messages me. He's like, dude, if you fucking ruin this for me, like we're no longer friends. (laughs) 
And then I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh God!" I'm like, "Quicksilver just showed up," and other people are like messaging me, like, "Did you just ruin it?" And I'm like, "No, no, no! I swear." Um, <laughs> but thankfully, um, you know, it 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 didn't it didn't halt uh, Brody from coming back on here. Uh, Brody, again, so we mentioned, you know, this is it's the month of October. You know, we're gonna be talking Beetlejuice, obviously, um, but like just in general how big is halloween in the in the king household uh well I, I would definitely say the two biggest holidays is christmas and halloween and i would say halloween takes more precedent over it uh i don't know it's just always you know obviously you could probably look at me and realize that i like halloween or some <laughs> shit but uh no I, I i love halloween i love you know doing i can't wait for halloween this year because my son is two and a half and my daughter is one. So now I can do some, I don't know, weird costumes that like none of the other kids will get, but like every parent will think is fucked up probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I love Halloween. My, we just recently painted our entire house black. Uh, so my friends have always said that it looked, the inside of our house looks like the Adams family because we have stuff like taxidermy heads and stuff like that. But uh, now the outside of our house looks like the Adams family house. So um beetlejuice is my all-time favorite movie number one in any category and that's that's funny because again like when dave and i were kind of like coming up with like movies to talk about um like at least for me the top two on the list and again this is for those of you guys who did on last week's episode um you know it's going to be a brody king double feature so this week we're talking beetlejuice next week we'll be talking scream but it was literally one of those things where like those two were kind of like at the top of my list and like the the thing that i think dave and i love the most like with you is that it's usually like hey what do you want to talk about I don't know, whatever you guys want to talk about. So it's pretty easy because I feel like the three of us sort of mesh well with like the same interests and things like that. And I was like, well, what about, how do you feel about Beetlejuice or Scream? And you were like, I love them. They're two of my favorites. And it was like, all right, fuck it. Let's, let's talk about it. Celebrate the entire Scream catalog. The, the, the next one isn't coming out till next year. Correct. I think it's January, yeah. January? All right. Weird time for for a scream to come out. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. But I, I know, Dave, um, so you're kind of in the predicament now where your youngest is now like 14. So I imagine it's a little different Halloween-wise, like where Brody's pretty excited, like, oh, I could dress up my kids. Now, your daughter, is she at that stage yet where she's too cool for, for Halloween? Because I'm sure we all went through it where, you know – there was like the year or two where like, no, we're not wearing costumes. I was never, that was never me. No, no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like for, like for me, much like Brody, like Halloween and Christmas, definitely my two favorite holidays. Halloween, because like, like when you're a kid, like on Halloween, like the night was yours. You were the grown up. You could go wherever you wanted, you know, especially when when it came to a point where like your parents felt good enough where they're like, just go, I'll stay inside. So you could like, and when I was younger, I, I remember Halloween being like, you could stay out later to like nine. So we were out there in the dark. And then the later you went, you, you know, you would go through your neighborhood and eventually you'd have like these people that didn't have kids and like, just take all the Snickers. And we're like, yes, So (laughs) there was that. And then like for Christmas, you know, uh, like my relationship with my parents wasn't that great. And so, but instead of like letting that ruin Christmas for me, like I flipped it and I'm like, I, I 
go overboard on Christmas for the kids. So like I I love both of those. Um, as far as Halloween, I think my daughter for like two years thought she was too cool for Halloween. Uh, starting at like twelve, she's wow. fourteen now, and then I think she realized how much fun she missed out on. So now, like, like this year, um, so I don't know, I don't know, Brody, if you've watched Squid Game, not yet. I I'm having a costume from Squid Game commissioned for her at her request. Oh, that's and, awesome! Uh, she's super excited for it, and so, but at fourteen, this is one of those things where maybe like some of the teen- teenagers go out ironically. <laughs> And I'm not sure if that's where she's at yet, but no, like Halloween, always fun. I love handing candy out to people. I love scaring people that come up to my door, um, everything about it. And, and I love when people in the neighborhood go all out and they'll have like smoke pouring out of their house and spider webs and tombstones and skeletons hanging from the trees. It's the best. It's, there's just something about it that's uh, like magical. Yeah, so my, my family was also, like, growing up was really big on Halloween. And I, I distinctly remember one year my dad took, like, an old table that we had and he cut a hole in it and he painted his face and, like, he put a bowl of candy and put his head through the table and was just, like, sitting under the table. It couldn't have been comfortable. But every, and he would just close his eyes and every time a kid would come up, he would go, don't take my candy, little kid. And, like, <laughs> they would scream and run away. And, like, he had, like, parents, like, threatening him and calling him an asshole. It's like... But that was like, that's like one of my fondest memories. Like I, I can picture what he looked like in my head, like if I close my eyes and uh, yeah, it was all, it was always kind of a big deal to like dress up and just be spooked or like watch scary movies, stuff like that. I think the most, uh, well, for, for me, when my daughter was four, we had an apartment and like kids had to walk down this long sidewalk on the side of the house to get to it. But like we lit it really well. And then one year I had like a full like Dickie's jumpsuit and a Michael Myers mask. (laughs) And I stuffed like hay in my sleeves and like coming out of my pants. And I laid there like slouched in the chair and they would come to get like candy. And then I would just (laughs) jump up with a fake knife and like run them off. (laughs) All the parents would like laugh that their kids were so scared. So like I never got called an asshole, but like I love feeling like the asshole. Yeah. I remember there was one Halloween where my dad, he he bought a gorilla mask and he went up in the tree. There was like a tree in front of our house. Wasn't that big, but he would climb up the tree and then wait for like large groups of people to like walk by and he would jump out of the tree. And he did that till he (laughs) he, like he like twisted his ankle, went backwards and broke his own rear view mirror or the, the side, not the rear view, the, the side mirror. He like broke his own. And it's one of those things where like as kids, like, it, this is all like, oh, we're, we're done trick-or-treating. We're kind of just hanging out because we get to, like, be out late. And he did that, and it's all like, ooh. And so, like, no one really knows how to react. And, like, I remember my mom, she's just like, are you still going to go up in the tree? And he's just like, no, 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 that's it. But, like, I think around, like, 14, <laughs> like, 14 for us was when we, like, um, started, like, going, like, egging and, like, not much toilet paper. is mostly just, like, egging, which – there's our one friend, and I'm sure you guys had that friend too in your friend group who like looked older than all the rest of the kids. And oh, yeah. for us, that was our friend Freddie, and we just let him. We would give him our money, and he'd go into like the the liquor store and just buy all the eggs and, and toilet paper and all that. In hindsight, didn't look much older than the rest yeah. of us. Um, but there was like one specific instance where 
we were just sitting on a corner and we were like egging a bunch of cars and then like the police were coming by and this was a it was a group of like 12 of us and so everyone goes running and my best friend he just grabs me he goes stop he goes just pretend we're not with them and so we just stop and we just <laughs> we just walk like nothing the police go right by us um my one buddy or you know Ivan um stank there's a yeah. so- there's a park right nearby there's a softball game going on with kids this guy hops the fence runs through the thing and these cops are like just too fat to like do any of that so this guy just runs <laughs> through like the middle of a softball game and just guns it and uh like that was awesome but of course we didn't have cell phones so we all had to just like walk around and 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 find each other then um but yeah many of the the shenanigans that you know we all sort of got up to um but of course we're, we're here we're here to talk some beetlejuice uh brody you me you and i have both uh, watched it twice um this week in the span of seven days i know yep. dave you mentioned this movie you've watched multiple times and being as big of a michael keaton fan as you are i can imagine you know more yeah. more times than you can probably remember um what are some of your, what are some of your guys' like earliest memories of this movie uh so i i it's always been in my life i think as far as i can remember like i just always remember as a kid watching it all the time uh you know i used to honk my dick like before i even knew what that <laughs> meant uh the, i don't know it was just it was just always around and the you know the Hayo scene and all that was like iconic um but yeah i i, I always remember it being around Dave, what about you? Yeah, so for me, oddly enough, I I was raised really like strictly religious, and um, around that time, like mid '80s to late '80s, like fundamental Christians were going insane for everything that was pop culture that was, you know, not about a church or something. So like, ET was demonic, Ninja Turtles was demonic. <laughs> You know what I mean? There, there was just like, oh my God, if you play this backwards, you're, you know, you're going to commit suicide because the devil wants you in his army. Like it was all this stuff. And so because of that, um, you wanted like, it more, you wanted it more, but also like, yeah, there was like a scarcity of like being able to watch these movies, especially when you're like deeply embedded in the church. But like, oddly enough, this was the first movie I ever saw in a theater my mom took me oh, to wow. go see it. <laughs> it. I don't know if she didn't know what it was, but like, um, so we, so it's my first theater experience. I had to have been like, like seven or eight or something. And then we got there 20 minutes late. So we start the movie like 20 minutes in. I have no idea what's going on. And then I, I catch up. And then my mom was like, that's crazy. Cause you don't even know the Matlins are dead. If you miss that. Yeah, it was really like strange. And then my mom was like, we're going to sit here till the next showing so we could watch the first 20 minutes. (laughs) So like it it was odd, but like something about like, like it was the forbidden fruit for me, one. And then two, like it was such a cool, uh, I don't want to say it was like a transgressive movie, but like there was something like, oddly naughty about it and i was like oh. it just burned itself like something about the tim burton aesthetic just burned itself in my brain and so like i'm sure that that ended up you know 
I'm a gigantic Batman fan. So like the 89 Batman with Keaton, like the, the soul of Tim Burton just like was flowing through that. And it, it, it really informed a lot of my likes as an adult now. So um, yeah, Beetlejuice, literally my, my very first theater experience. And uh, it's always going to be like indelibly burned into my brain. See, for me, I remember my, I would always go over to my next door neighbor's house to, I would play with them. It was the, the two kids we would play and they had, they had a collection of movies we weren't allowed to watch. It was just, and like in hindsight, I don't, I remember some of the movies and they weren't like gritty adult movies. I think it was just like, no, those aren't kids movies. You can't watch them. And the one I always remember seeing was Beetlejuice specifically. Cause like the cover of it, I'm just like, what, what is this? And they were like, no, you can't watch it. It's a scary movie. And I'm just like. It's rated PG. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, oh, okay. And then I remember like being at Blockbuster once, and I'm just like, oh, dad, I want this one. And like finally watching, and like like you mentioned, like I watch it, and I'm like, this isn't one. This isn't a scary movie. I mean, maybe they saw it and they were like spooked by it or something. Um, <laughs> but I I had no idea. I mean, clearly, like as a kid, I'm like, oh, I don't know who like Michael Keaton is. But then I remember. I don't know, being like a few years older than that and someone like, yeah, Michael Keaton and just being blown away because I'm, I was used to like him as Batman, you know? So when you're just like, no, Batman and, uh, I think, oh, you know what? It was, I went, we went to Pizza Hut and they would give out like movies. It was like 80s movies and we got Mr. Mom and I watched that and someone, great movie. Yeah. And someone made the comment of like, he's Batman and Beetlejuice and I'm just like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Like, did i miss him i'm like is he like who who is he where is he in beetlejuice and then you know like you have to look it up and you're just like wait he is beetlejuice um yeah like you know the character of beetlejuice too one that's iconic like if you go if anyone wears black and white stripes or either referee or beetlejuice you know and like the amount of like halloween parties you go to where people just be beetlejuice costume and stuff like that um the character overall, like, uh, what are just like some of your thoughts on it, Dave? Like the, you know, it, it's supposed to, we're supposed to hate him, but it's just so hard because he's, he, he almost feels like Bugs Bunny to me, you know? Yeah. You know, it's odd enough. Cause like w- when you think of Beetlejuice, the movie, you, you, I, you obviously think of Beetlejuice, but he's really only in the movie for like. Minutes. Yeah, like a very minute amount of time. And, and that's something people don't realize. And when you tell them that, it really like blows their mind. But that just goes to show you like how impactful he was as a character. Like from the second he hits the screen, he's like a whirlwind of, uh, you know, and, and I don't think a lot of people thought much like his Batman role, thought that he had something like that in him. So like to see him on the screen like that, uh, the way he was doing. And then like when he's introducing himself uh, to the couple and that he does that Robin Williams ask, you know, I've been to Juilliard, uh, you know, I've survived the plague and uh, like there's you just seen the exit 167 times and it keeps on getting funnier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, I don't know the the beautiful thing about Tim Burton specifically is somehow he gets like, like the really dark corners of people's minds. And then like, it's slightly subversive, but then there's also like a real beauty to some of the innocence he puts in a lot of his movies. And he somehow, he smushes them together and then you get a great Tim Burton movie. 
Um, but like, yeah, Beetle Beetlejuice is a character. Um, I like that you're not supposed to trust him, and he's always he's kind of he's sleazy and scummy. But he kind of reminds me of like you know like everyone's got like a goofy uncle that's just like your mom says stay away from that guy he's gonna get you in trouble and that makes you want to hang out with him more and like that's like Beetlejuice in a nutshell. Brody, what about you? Uh, yes, I mean like I feel like I, I notice things the older I get and like recently it's just like he's just a pervert like yeah. obviously like right when he meets Barbara he's like feeling her up and trying to kiss her. Uh, he gets the hots for Lydia, which is, she's a child. Um, then, you know, at the end, even with the girl that's cut in half, he's like feeling up her legs and gets slapped. And he's like, what's her problem? You're like, he just like, doesn't understand that he can't do these things. Um, I, I read that, that Tim Burton explained to Michael Keaton that Beetlejuice is someone that has lived through every time period, but hasn't lived at all. Like he doesn't, know how to be a, a person um which i think you can like he's always just trying to relate to the matlins like one of my favorite scenes is when he like just is wearing what uh adam is wearing and then he just turns and he's like hey where's sympatico here and then he goes hey hermano and then like he's just like keeps trying to relate to them but just in the worst ways possible like he i don't know it, it the whole aura of Beetlejuice is, is insane. Like you're not allowed to say it. Like if you say his name, then he comes around. So he's like a nuisance. And uh, when Juno, the caseworker is like, don't even say his name. Like he's, he's a bad scene. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I just wanted, like, like Stank said, like there's like a naughty aspect to it, which, you know, he cusses and he does jerk off motions and honks his dick. And like, all this really funny stuff, but he's supposed to be the bad guy. Um, but he's awesome. He very and much, to me at least, kind of embodies like um, the way like a lot of like bros were in like the eighties and nineties because there is just like a lot of things you know like um, if it would have been like PG thirteen, I'm sure there would have been like some language, probably like some some name. They say fuck in the movie. Yeah, they, they, they're they one of the few movies that get away with saying fuck yeah, at I'm, that rating. I mean, more like probably like like the other F word. Like that was a word that people just threw around, uh, you know, and yeah. things like that where like you'll rewatch like a movie from like 2005 and you're just like, oh, like, nah, like, we don't really say those things. <laughs> Specifically because, and I think the charm of Beetlejuice is like Michael Keaton doesn't purposely try to make him like over the top, you know, like uh, just – like he he kind of just at least I feel kind of just lets Michael Keaton be be crazy within the realm of like this is where you're supposed to be and isn't like I, like I I almost like that there wasn't a Beetlejuice centric character that came before so that it, this is Michael Keaton kind of doing his own thing and it's not just yeah. like him trying to copy Beetlejuice and like well maybe I should use some more obscene language or maybe do some more you know jerk off motions to to try to out Beetlejuice Beetlejuice <laughs> kind of in the same way that like um uh like uh joker heath ledger's joker you know like for a while it was just like everyone just tried to be heath ledger as the joker as opposed to like i'm gonna just do my own thing um well and 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 like you were saying it's a lot of the mannerisms and stuff that weren't even you know scripted that makes him so iconic like whenever i think of heath ledger's 
Joker, I just think of mouth movements and like the weird mm-hmm. shit he does with his tongue. And it's like, you know, nobody told him to do that. And that's just what he thought the Joker should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was reading that, like they said, 90% of the lines for Michael Keaton were improv. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can, you can kind of see that because there is, um, there is a charm to the character where he is just, he is this hurricane that is just coming in. You know, he, like I kind of said like, Oh, bugs money, but there's also some like Tasmanian devil to him where you're kind of just like, no, 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 no. And you know, like specifically like, you know, where they're just like, don't say his name. Like, you know, the case where he's like, don't say his name. And it's just like, yeah, these people have probably have to dealt with him for like, God knows how long, you know, like almost in, uh, like when you're watching one of like the four movies, um, and they're just like, oh, Loki, like, fuck, like, don't don't get us started on him because there is that aspect of, like, I just want the attention. Like, he doesn't even necessarily think, I mean, at, like, there is, like you mentioned, like, some characteristics as far as, like, well, he's kind of, like, a perverted uh, person. But, like, I think part of it also just stems from, like, how how much bad shit can I do to get the most attention possible? Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's even a there's even a line when like when he first comes to terrorizes the Deets, uh, he like drops the dad from like the second story, and Lydia even goes, "You could have killed him," and he goes, "Hey, I gotta get the job done, right?" And but like right <laughs> before that, the Matlins were like, "We don't want to hurt them," so like he yeah he just he's just gonna do whatever it takes to get the well, attention. Yeah, to, and also like I think the reason he's so likable is there's there is a part of us I think deep down inside that makes us wish maybe we didn't have the filters that we do that he lacks. You know what I mean? Like our baser instincts would drive us. And like, like for instance, like if you just get frustrated or if you're on a run and you're just like tearing into your friend and and you're just hitting him with like zingers constantly and you're in this like flow state of just being obnoxious, it feels good in the moment And then, you know, if you're like a real person that you feel you kind of feel bad about it later, but like Beetlejuice has none of that. He's just always feeling good being bad. And like there, there might be a little bit of like envy on our part, you know, watching him do that. Uh, So we've mentioned Lydia a few times. She's of course, I feel kind of like the next main character after Beetlejuice as um, you know, around Halloween, if you see Beetlejuices, you're, you're bound to see a Lydia and um like I, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm pretty sure Lydia, uh, like when I was a kid, kind of greatly influenced the type of women that uh, I, I'm attracted oh, yeah. to now. As, as, <laughs> as Dave Dave can attest to, uh, you know, Winona Ryder as Lydia makes a lot of sense when you look at the ex girlfriends that I've had. Um, but like Dave, uh, you know, what are kind of some of your thoughts on her character? Because you know, of course, we meet her and she's kind of just she is the moody, you know, the moodiest of moody kids. Yeah, like, so I personally never really liked Lydia. Um, she She's kind of like the type of person I don't like hanging around, like, just like the, I don't know, I, I think she's kind of the genesis for a lot of what we see in some girls where it, like, the, the emo-ness and the spookiness is kind of like a costume that they put on. Um, but you could also see that in the character, like she was, she wants everyone to know how weird she is. And so, um, you get the feeling like in her family that she doesn't get paid attention to a lot. And then that also 
that kind of makes her go into herself and be even weirder and weirder. Um, and then of course her, her step, her, not her mom, her stepmom. You, you, yeah, yeah, she yeah. always, she always makes that distinction. Her mom's kind of weird. So I almost think that there's like, <laughs> she's having like an internal conflict on like whether I should try and out weird my mom. So um, I will say by the end of the movie, like, even if you don't like her, you can't help, but like, you know, she's like the surrogate daughter of the Maitlands. So, um, I don't know. She's not my favorite character in the movie, but, um, she's definitely necessary. I think. Bernie, what about you? Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right on par with you. I, I feel like Lydia really, um, created a like perfect woman to go after. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was woman, she was like 17 in the movie, but when I was, you know, in my teen years, it was like, that's the most beautiful girl in the world. Uh, <laughs> but I, I definitely understand what Stank is saying. Like one of the first lines is, uh, you know, Delia saying how much she hates the house. And then Lydia's like, well, Delia hates it. I could live here. Like, she's just like trying to one up her mom, like yeah. her arty, creepy kind of Gothic mom. So, and, but she like, it feels maybe like she's like stepping on her toes. So she wants to like outdo that. Um, one thing I never realized until like I watched it this week was that at one point Lydia's writing a suicide note, uh, which is also crazy for a PG movie. Uh, when she, when, you know, when she says that if, if you find this letter, I've plummeted to my death or whatever she <laughs> writes in it. Um, but yeah, I feel like maybe she is glorified as a character because I feel like there are some very much more entertaining characters. I mean, I think, Adam might be mo- the most underrated character with just the shit that he says. Uh, but I, I do love Lydia. Um, Winona Ryder, she still got it. So, <laughs> uh, so it's funny you guys mentioned like her trying to like outdo her mom. Um, I don't know if Dave, maybe from the perspective of, you know, you're an artist and you might see this amongst artists or even you, Brody, with like wrestlers, like, you know, trying to like, that are. Yeah, you know, wrestlers aren't artists, huh? No, (laughs) as far as that, they're like, they're similar and like, we kind of do the same thing, but I'm going to do this very specific thing more so than you. And like, kind of just, because I mean, I'm like, we've all kind of seen that where it's like two people that try to just like outdo each other in the same thing. And it's like, what do you like, what's going on here? Like Dave, I mean, Dave, do you kind of, is that a a thing with like artists? Um, Well, we're we're trying to one up each other. Uh, Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, because like, I know there's a lot of people at the shop that, you know, will come up to you and kind of show you their work. And like, does that ever get contentious with them where it's just like, oh yeah, that guy did this cool fucking Lucha Brothers design. I'm going to do an even fucking cooler one. No, I mean, I will say... So I'm I'm 40 now, but maybe if I, maybe in my 20s, I felt like that where like um, there, there's a difference between being like competitive and wanting to be like the best, and then there's there's a whole nother line to cross where you want to be competitive at the expense of someone. Yeah, and so like I stopped being that way, and like now like I because of my role at like pro wrestling tees, I get a lot of people sending me the stuff that they're working on or doing and then saying, Hey, what do you think of this? And then <laughs> I've slowly become a curator of like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but like, if I'm going to be a friend, I got to give them actual good criticism. So, um, but I will say if it's another artist that I don't know personally, 
Um, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, that guy's garbage. I don't know why, you know, it's just, it's human and it's petty. But um, I think, I think that competitive nature is just, it's kind of human nature Mm -hmm. in a way. But um, I will say if it comes to family, like I've seen all three of my two, my two old stepsons and then my daughter, each of them, you know, like the oldest one liked anime, then his younger brother liked anime, and then he would get mad because I liked anime first. And then <laughs> now my my daughter likes anime. So my middle, you know, Jacob was like, oh, why is Peyton copying me? So there, there's always going to be like weird competition in families like that. I, th- I think that it's not as much of like a one-up thing, whereas like Lydia might think that her mom is a poser because that's kind of like the theme throughout the movie if you really pay attention like she's following otho around like trying to get his acceptance on like how to decorate the house Mm -hmm. or like you know she's trying to be an artist but even her agent is like yeah i've lost money on you for years so it's like she's obviously not very good at it like she's always just trying to impress her like artsy friends uh whereas lydia is just trying to be like uh a moody gothic girl See, and yeah. it makes me kind of feel bad for um for Charles for for the husband because he he's very much just like yeah of course like it's great and like she could not care you know like again like you mentioned like um, it's almost like if it's not ortho or her age it, like just does not care and this poor guy is probably just like doesn't strike me as someone who's very like uh hip with with art and these kinds of things, he's probably just like you know what, like I really I really love this woman, and uh, my daughter's also very artsy, so of course you know they're <laughs> yeah. they're gonna gel perfectly, and you know it's just I feel bad for him at times too because he's also stuck. I'm sure plenty of times where it's like, are you gonna side with your daughter or your new wife? Like, which yeah. I mean. I've never had to be stuck in that situation. But I, well, I, well, not, not only that, though, but like you can see in him, he's he's just tired, right? He just wants to relax. And then like there's a statue coming through the window. And then, um, you know, there, there's I think there's wise advice for people that are either in like long term relationships or getting married, especially when you're like. Like the husband or, you know, the dude It's just like pick your battles, right? Be wise <laughs> about what hill you want to die on. And for him, you can see like he can't win any battles with his wife. So he just resigned. He's like, just what, do whatever you want. <laughs> you just know? don't touch my office. Yes. Yeah, so can I have this one slice of my own little paradise? You can do whatever you want. And uh, you, you can see it in him. He's, he's just tired. <laughs> it's yeah, like- he's, it, I feel like he would have been content leaving the house the way that the Matlins had it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that his wife was not going to have it. It's just funny because there's like the whole scene where everything is just, you know, it, it's a complete 180, the house from, from when we last see it. And you mentioned, Brody, you're doing, uh, you know, painting your house and everything. I'm just like. So I, I have another really funny story about that. So not only did we paint our whole house black, but we were painting uh, one of the walls in our room. And while we were watching Beetlejuice, I was they there's the scene where um, she's walking through the house with Otho and, and Otho says Viridian and he goes blue green chromic oxide and he spray paints it on the wall and I said wait and what color did we just pick out at Home Depot and the color was deep Viridian I was like what the fuck <laughs> like it, it was like the it's like the craziest moment yeah it was like it was incepted into your brain and you just 
you had to pick that out. Um, it was, yeah. It's funny you uh, you mentioned your wife. Like I um, like I follow her on, on Instagram, and like you mentioned, like oh yeah, like Lydia was kind of like she is also someone who's super into Halloween and stuff. So, oh yeah. So I got to imagine that made it a lot easier for you when you were just like, we're going to live in the Adams family house. Oh, she loves it. Yeah. I mean, she's like super into cosplay and like she is very great makeup artist. Um, she's, she's done like a, have you guys ever seen turbo kid? Yeah. Yes. So she, she did Apple from turbo kid and she was like walking around comic con with her gnome stick and stuff. And that was really awesome. She like made her own, own jumpsuit. She uh, was star butterfly versus the, forces of evil um but yeah she's done she's done a lot of really cool cosplays but yes it did that you know we gel very much the same on that level see now i know from from our previous interviews that you mentioned that you used to work um that you you used to dress up as a a toxic avenger you know at like at cons and stuff in my head that is how you guys meet both in these like elaborate costumes and i'm sure i'm sure that's probably not but like in my head you know it's just like you take the mask off and you're just like whoa who is that you know and she's just like whoa check out the toxic <laughs> avenger over there um but uh yeah Catherine o'hara too like i it's oh. it's one of those things right I just i watch her in this and like she's just great in everything that i fucking see her in except for being a Do great you guys mother in um what is it? Uh, she leaves the kid behind in New York. Home Alone. Home Alone. Home Alone. Yeah. What a, is it? <laughs> not, not, a, not a great mother, but, you know, still. Um, do we watch what? Shit's Creek? Yes. Yes. Oh. So, I love the fact that, like, her her role in Shit's Creek is just, like, a more amplified Delia. Like, this woman that has is, like, a wealthy woman that has everything that's an artsy person and then just loses it every all. But yeah, Catherine O'Hare, like, man, she's incredible. And yeah, especially in Shit's Creek. I don't know about you, but like, like my wife and I both loved watching it and it's the most impossible accent to try and impersonate. Like I've tried to talk as Moira and it, I sound like, a, like I'm going from like Jamaican to like Chinese. Or something. It like, changes I, like every episode. Yeah, I, it's it's the toughest to nail down. But yeah, she, she for years like you know Home Alone, uh, Beetlejuice, all the way to Shit's Creek. Like, she, I'm I'm really glad that uh, not that she needed a career resurgence, but yeah, her showing up in Shit's Creek was like perfect because like her and Eugene Levy are like such great comedy partners. But um, I, and also when I was younger, I always thought she was so hot as Kevin McAllister's mom and. Uh, and in Beetlejuice, I'm like, wow, that lady's really hot. <laughs> What's funny is with her in uh, being in Shit's Creek is now that there's like so many like younger people watching it is when they find out like she was in this or that. And it happens with all like with a lot of celebrities whenever they have that like career resurgence. But I remember there was like a bunch of like BuzzFeed articles, which is it was like, you know, like her the previous movie roles that she's been in. And I'm it's one of those like okay sure maybe not everyone's like as nerdy about movies as like me and my friends but i'm just like you didn't like you can't tell like the minute i the, i watched the first episode of shit's creek because it was one of the, like i knew eugene levy was in it and people were just like watch it so i'm like all right i watch it and i'm like oh cool hell yeah she's in this and like i instantly knew who she was but just <laughs> seeing people like rediscover her is like it's fun to just watch in real time because it's like oh yeah like 
you know, some people were like busy watching, I don't know, like Fast and Furious and Twilight and just, you know, uh, missed a bunch of these. Um, another legendary actress, though, of course, in this movie is uh, Gina Davis. You know, her and Alec Baldwin oh. are, are Bar- Barbara and Adam. Um, I'll say an elaborate one, but it, at cons and, you know, like for Halloween and stuff, you will see people with them like in the mask. Yeah. With the yeah. face and some are homemade. Yeah. Those are always the real cool ones. Um, but like Brody, you've mentioned already Adam, one of your favorite characters. Yeah. So he's just like quirky and like, he just like says things so casual. Like my, one of my favorite lines is when he first picks up the book and he goes, the, the handbook for the recently diseased. And then she goes deceased. And then he just goes the handbook for the recently deceased. Like he just repeats it without like a, uh, there's no pause. And it's just like, I don't know. He's, he's an incredible actor still. I mean, like, you know, you go to 30 rock or even the stuff he still does on SNL, but I feel like he was just on it in that movie and everything he does. He's just kind of like an innocent, like, uh, you know, kind of a happy go lucky guy tries to see the good and everything. But like, I don't know. It, it's his role is just so iconic to me. Yeah, I I personally love like it, it. Just goes to show you how wide his range is because like, you know, you you have him as Adam, and he's like the most wholesome, nicest guy, and like them as a couple, like so charming, so endearing, and like. You know, there, there's hints all through that they just can't have kids and they've come to terms with it. And they're like, let's just be happy together and live our best life. But then, like, you see Alec, that Alec Baldwin, and then you see Alec Baldwin in like Baldwin in like uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and then as uh, Jack Donaghy. And like, he can play <laughs> such a wholesome character and he can play like such a sleazy shitbag. It's like, <laughs> like the best range. Yeah. I mean, like, what? I also love when when uh, Adam when it's like draw a door and then he draws the door and he goes oh and then he has to draw the handle the little handle yeah <laughs> it's funny with Alec Baldwin because like he he's also someone like as we mentioned in this one Michael Keaton's only in it for X amount of time but you know he sticks out for you for me that's him in The Departed like I'll rewatch The Departed oh, and I'm yeah. like oh I was like no he's not in this for as much as I think he pretty much just has him and Mark Wahlberg have like that one scene together. And he's kind of sprinkled like throughout here and there, but um, again, just like sticks out so much that you're just like, oh yeah. And it is like one of these like when people talk about you know all the films he's been in, I feel like this is one that gets kind of left out of the conversation. Just I mean, based on like everyone else that's in the film, but um, yeah, like it's it is weird to be like, oh yeah, this is Jack Donaghy, like the same person who like. Jack definitely more Beetlejuice than he is Adam, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, like Gina Davis. Now, Dave, you mentioned you had the hots, uh, you know, for Catherine O'Hara, but Gina Davis. What, like, no, I, I, I personally was never a Gina Davis. <laughs> what She's the beautiful. fuck, man? I know. I know. Like, I've said that before, and then people have looked at me with uh, great hatred and uh, spite, but like, I think, I think she's great, but like, definitely not my type. But like, like I said, like the both of them as a couple in this, like, it's kind of like that American Gothic painting, like the the farmer and that's actually supposed to be his daughter, not his wife. But like, they just seem like, they seem like the embodiment of like what 
people in the 80s imagined the American ideal was. They're just wholesome guys. They're a wholesome set of couple, and, and they're just trying to get by, and they're just nice. They're American apple pie, um, which makes their interactions with Beetlejuice himself so much more funny. Wait, I want to go back real quickly to that Gothic, the American Gothic painting. That's supposed to be his daughter? That's supposed to be his daughter. Everyone assumes it's his <laughs> wife, but that's, that's actually the farmer's daughter. But they look the same age. Relatively. But, but yeah, no, it's supposed to be the daughter. Okay. Guess you learn something. You learn something new every day. Yeah. Uh, Brody, what about you, though? How, how, how did you like Barbara in this? So Gina Davis, I think, is like, maybe the most underrated like 80s babe like mm-hmm. if you've ever seen earth girls is easy or are easy and you don't think that she's like the hottest girl in the world then you're crazy stank uh, <laughs> but i mean like you know you just thought that Catherine o'hara was you had the hots for her so it's like obviously there's a big They're difference diametrically opposed <laughs> yeah uh but yeah i mean i love gina davis in mostly everything she's ever done uh but especially as Barbara, like like you said, they're, they're just the wholesome couple. I mean, like, it's like their anniversary and she gets him, like, paint and he gets her blinds. And they're, like, just happy about it. Uh, yeah. And, like, you know, even the, the, like, the small interactions they have together where it's, like, when they realize they're dead, it's not, like, a big devastating moment. They're just, like, kind of disappointed. They're like, I don't think we made it out of that crash. Uh but yeah, the, all of the interactions with with Barbara and Beetlejuice are great. Uh, when he's like, <laughs> when Beetlejuice says the line, uh, "Just tell me up front, how good is your relationship? Do I have a chance here at all?" <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's asking Adam this about like his wife. Uh, but yeah, you know, she just wants to be a mom, and and I feel like that's what they're like conflict comes in when like the Matlins they want the deets out but they really like Lydia and then you know at the end of the movie they be- they kind of become like you said they're surrogate the yeah. adopt parents um and and maybe that's you know that's what Lydia always wanted was to have more of a a stable relationship with more normal parents that weren't you know work obsessed or uh, a crazy like artist wannabe because obviously, you know, Charles, like while he's keeps saying he wants to relax, like he's like looking at buildings with his binoculars and be like, oh, I could sell that. <laughs> like he can't turn his brain off. So it's like and I think that's what the, the really like awesome thing about the movie is that there's these everything is like a subtle undertone. Like you can dig in and be like, oh, this person is like a work work obsessed, like freak that had to move away from the city because he was going to kill himself. Uh, his wife is like an obsessive, like wants to be popular within the art world but can't be uh his daughter obviously has severe depression and suicidal tendencies but uh you know that that's not stuff that they they just come out and say it's stuff that you just kind of pick up throughout the movie and yeah so i I love all the characters equally but barbara is great yeah i i will say uh funny enough when i was a kid I mistook someone for Gina Davis and I thought, wow, I was like, Gina Davis got really hot. It was, <laughs> it, it was Maid Marian in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh and my like, God, she's fucking hot too. When I was young, I was like, wow, Gina Davis really cleaned up really well. And then I, I realized it wasn't her later, but they have the same yeah, hair, basically. The scene the scene when she goes out of the bath with the chastity belt on, like, ooh. A young Brody did not know what to do with that information. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to process. Yeah. 
see, to me, Adam and Barbara, they kind of uh, reminded me because you mentioned they are very much like portrayed as this like wholesome couple. They kind of reminded me of like, there's always like that one couple from like your high school where like they met as freshmen and you know they're still together to this day they're, they're happily married and you and you know it's like that like they don't they get each other paint and curtains for for their anniversary and i think again lydia like we don't ever really like find out what happened to to her like her birth mother do we no no so i, I think so yeah and Part of me thinks, based on how she is, that like it wasn't Catherine O'Hara didn't come into the picture, and all of a sudden she was like, "All right, guess I'm you know I, I'm depressed now," and and all these things. I feel like it might have exacerbated it a little bit because, um, just a kid, a moody kid being a moody kid. Um, and so I, I like the relationship that they have because it does kind of center her, you know, like that is what she needs. Like she is this weird artsy kid, and she needs parents that aren't gonna like you know well instead of that why don't you like this like try to kind of put her in this box that she clearly doesn't want to be in like the charm about adam and barbara is that you know they're they're just like yeah for sure like this is who you are this is how you are and they kind of accept her for that which i i think there there's probably some of that too with like where she wants acceptance from this new maternal figure in her life and like clearly she's too busy trying to get acceptance from everybody else so it's like good luck dude because that's not gonna happen uh anytime soon um yeah she's willing to die for it like when she says i want to be dead too and like they're like no you don't want that yeah well and like the interesting thing too i think for her as like a teenage girl she was projecting a lot of the spookiness to kind of keep a cushion because she knew like it may be off-putting to other people and so that kept the distance but you saw like the more she cared for the matlins um some of that started dropping and they could like they saw through some of that like whereas i feel like maybe her stepmom and her dad would kind of maybe like roll her their eyes at her antics they saw a girl trying to get attention and then they just liked her for who she was um so you can see her kind of dropping the I'm spooky act yeah. around them. Oddly enough, yeah. around that, the spookiest people in the house. Uh, well, and, and then at the, like at the end of the movie, she's just wearing like schoolgirl clothes and like a varsity, like, yeah, like a varsity sweater. Yeah, and she's just like dancing and like having fun in like her normal house now. Yeah. So for years now, there's been talks of a potential Beetlejuice sequel. I think it was like Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian, um, <laughs> and it's it's one of those movies where every few years you hear about it, you know, like more recently as of like 2019, uh, I think Warner brothers official or yeah, Warner brothers was like, it's been shelved, but like in looking it up, uh, it was almost immediately in, in nine, in 1990, Burton hired, uh, writer, Jonathan gems to write a sequel in 91. They rewrote it in 97. Uh, they said that, you know, they're still working on it. In 2011, they hired uh, the the writer who collaborated with Burton on Dark Shadows uh, t- to write it. In February 2012, uh, they talked about it some more. In uh, 2013, Winona Ryder says that it, it's possible that you know that she's not going to say no. Um, in 2014, Burton says that it's a character he he wants to work again. Uh, 
And then 2015, uh, you know, Winona Ryder says, yes, she's coming back. They're, they're going to do it. Um, in 2016, that's when Burton says, yeah, they're going to do it. Uh, 2017, they have to rewrite the script. And then, you know, ultimately two years later that they're like, no, we're just shoving this. Um, is a Beetlejuice sequel something that, one, you guys would want to see? And two, do you think it would work now? Because especially Tim Burton behind it. Like, I feel like Tim Burton's someone who now just like gets shit on no matter what he does like he kind of found his niche you know like he's like i'm gonna make these movies for like the hot topic crowd and if you don't like it that's cool but that's what i'm gonna do and people just like people almost treat it as if like he's scorsese and like oh why aren't you making like cinema but like is a beetlejuice sequel something you guys would want listen in my mind he, he might as well be scorsese like I know that, like, you know, obviously being a Tim Burton fan or whatever, like, you do get lumped into, like, Hot Topic, Malgoth. But, like, movies like Beetlejuice and Batman and Edward Scissorhands, like, those, like, formed my childhood, like, memories of movies. Like, and they they still stand the test of time and are incredible movies now. I mean, I just watched Edward Scissorhands, like, last year for, for the first time in a few years. And it was like, that movie's fucking deep and it's awesome. Um, but, yeah, you know current tim burton stuff that's not like corpse ride if it's not like corpse ride or frank and weenie that where it's like stop motion it it can be a little bit over the top and a little bit too too much but uh i do genuinely like most of his movies i don't know if i'd want to see a new beetle just because you know it's such a perfect movie in my head um but i would love to see michael keaton bring something new to the table I mean, I think that there would be a lot more limitations on what he can say and do uh, than he could have then. But, I mean, Michael Keaton's the man, so I'm down for anything. Dave, what about you? Yeah, I'm of the opinion it will happen. And I say that because, you know, like Brody said, there, there's there's a whole chunk of Burton's catalog that's evergreen. I mean, there, there's a reason why you'll see kids still buying uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. It's, it's just, movie. pardon? It's an incredible movie. Yeah, it, it's a great movie. The aesthetic just it never gets old. You know what I mean? And uh, same thing with like, like Batman. Like Batman keeps coming back as different iterations, but people always mention the '89 Batman, which like, you know, another that's another collaboration with. Keaton, like a lot of people were like, what? Michael Keaton's going to be Batman? And somehow it worked like perfectly. Batman 89 is burned in my brain for all eternity. It's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yes. Um, and then the same thing with Beetlejuice. There's just something like, like I said, there, there's something about him doing like this oddly naughty, but also innocent thing that he smashes together. And like it works because like that's how we are. As, like we're never purely altruistic or we're never always naive about stuff and like we got two sides of the coin for everybody and i just i feel like like even to this day people love beetlejuice like there's people discovering beetlejuice now and they're like wow and it one for some reason it holds up really well like like a lot of his catalog same thing with like edward scissorhands they, they did that super bowl commercial with timothy chalamet as Edward Scissorhands and people freaked out and then people were like, Oh, could there be a sequel to Edward? So like there's, I think there's a real hunger for more of that style. Um, and then 
on the opposite side, like, yeah, I do think some of his more recent stuff doesn't hold up as well as the earlier catalog, but like something like big fish, I thought was a, a great movie. Like great movie. I, I openly wept when I watched it. So, um, I think that combined with Michael Keaton seeing like a really super big, uh, resurgence in his career with like Birdman, uh, vulture man. And then, you know, we got the new flash movie coming out where we're going to see, 89 Batman or, or Batman returns Batman, but like Michael Keaton is Batman. And I think it's just going to remind people of a time when Michael Keaton and uh, Tim Burton collaborated to great success. And I, I bet you, after we see that flash movie, we're going to see more people clamoring for Beetlejuice too. Now I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like Brody, like, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm a big PlayStation guy, so they they had a game called The Last of Us. And I played it. I thought it was a perfect game, and I didn't want them to make a sequel, but they did, and I liked it. You know, I I was really worried that they weren't going to stick the landing. But I think something as big as a Beetlejuice 2, I think you just got to get it right. And it might be just a return to form for Tim Burton. So um, I think it'll happen, and I kind of hope it will happen. Yeah, I mean, with me, it's one of those, you know, I mean, you guys said more than I could, but essentially, like, yeah, like, if it happens, cool, I'll watch it, you know, opening day, I don't know, depends how cool that trailer is, Um, but also, I just, I hope that it's not, like, when um, they finally did Dumb and Dumber-er, and, like, you watch that, and you're just, like, Oh, man. Or Zoolander 2. Or Zoolander 2. Yeah, like uh, sometimes waiting a few years for a sequel is good. Oftentimes uh, it, it's not. Um, very, very quickly, just before we do just the – I mean, again, we say this all the time. I can't imagine anyone sat around for this amount of time and having not seen the movie and been like, wait, so what is it about? So for those people, we'll do a quick, quick little summary. But very quickly, did you guys ever watch the animated series? Yes. I watched it a lot when I was a kid. I haven't watched it recently, so I don't have much knowledge like of it now, but I, I watched it a lot as a kid, which is crazy that it became an animated series. Yeah. I watched it a little bit, and I will say I was annoyed that they gave him a red shirt. They gave him a red <laughs> I don't know why. He, he, yeah, he, like his like, he's like a burgundy shirt, and I'm like, what the heck was that? But isn't that like supposed to kind of emulate like his first appearance, like when he comes out of the coffin and he's wearing like the taxi driver, like trench coat and hat and maybe like i don't know it, just seeing him in the striped suit with like the burgundy shirt seemed weird <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's, that is weird uh it's one of those that i would occasionally like see it like if i'd wake up early enough or like a saturday morning cartoons that and the back to the future cartoons are ones that would play back to back and i was always so confused like why don't they look just like they do in the movies? Um, but it's definitely one of those like it, it. It's got a it's got a certain charm to it, you know. And it's a shame to me again that it's not one of those shows. It's just like streaming somewhere, you know, like yeah. especially with like HBO having uh, what is it, HBO Go or Now, whichever whichever one of the two that it is. Like um, super weird to me. Um, so very quickly, bro, before we, we let you go, we'll just. I'll, I'll, again, do a quick run through of the movie. Again, feel free interject any at any point. You guys uh, hear me talking about something you guys like, but of course, we start out with married couple Barbara and Adam. They're spending their two week vacation in Winter River, Connecticut, an idyllic country home. Uh, which real estate agent Jane Butterfield, Barbara's pushy cousin, pressures them to sell. 
Returning from a trip to the hardware store, they swerve to avoid hitting a dog and their car goes off a bridge. Um, you know, back home, they can't remember anything after that. They don't even remember the accident and they keep trying to leave the house. And uh, Adam, again, see, finds himself in, uh, in a giant desert. It's later identified as Saturn, and there's the giant monstrous sandworms, which uh, one of our coworkers actually, I don't know, Dave, if you've seen it, if you, if you go towards uh, by where Chris works, there's like a, a candy bowl with just the giant snakes like surrounding it. It's like, a, it's a very cool, also again, like sometimes I see people with like these homemade costumes and like um, just very charming. Like you watch it back, it doesn't, doesn't really hold up the effects, but like still just looks pretty fucking cool um so uh you know they quickly return to the house where they find the the book titled the handbook for the recently deceased not diseased um and realize they drowned in the crash and now they're stuck in the house jane sells their home to the deets family from new york charles uh, you know a real estate developer and his second wife delia the the sculptor the the artist and his goth daughter lydia of course um their interior designer ortho you know they completely renovate the house and it looks almost unrecognizable from when we first see it uh you know they the maitlands keep attempting to frighten the family away because um you know they want them out but it's very again how you mentioned very homely very corny uh, approach as far as like trying to scare them you know they they have the sheets with the holes in them um and uh, in, eventually, you know, they, they take refuge in the attic because no one ever goes up there. And that's where they they find the Beetlejuice. You know, there's an advertisement promoting himself as the bio exorcist. They consult the handbook and they go into the netherworld. And, you know, it, it's it's this whole bureaucracy, the way it's set up. You know, you take a number, you sit down, you wait. And their caseworker, Juno, tells them that, you know, they got to get the deets out of their home. But under no circumstances should they go to Beetlejuice, you know, don't even say his name, uh, you know, and, uh, they, they ask about him, Juno explains, you know, he was her former assistant who became a freelancer, and again, just warns, he's a troublemaker, don't ask, they go home, and they meet Lydia, who, you know, she's able to see them, she's able to communicate with them, and, uh, they, you know, they become friends and, and still they want the details out of there. And, you know, she herself wants to get out of there. So they summon Beetlejuice. Uh, and that's just sort of where the hijinks commence. You know, he's very abrasive, very much just on 10 at all times. Um, and this is probably one of my favorite scenes is the dinner party scene. You know, they're having dinner and uh, it, it leads them to the whole hey musical. You know, everyone's dancing along and uh the one scene Catherine O'Hara she's like you know are you doing this as if like any of what's going on it could be like something someone orchestrated because you know um of course that that doesn't really uh you know scare them because um it's it's amusing all the guests there you know the deeds search the attic ortho finds the handbook uh beetlejuice you know he manifests himself as this big monstrous snakes at the, the snake he attacks them and um the maitlands you know th they make him stop juno summons the maitlands and scolds them for calling beetlejuice and providing them proof that the afterlife exists she insists that they get rid of the deetses the two cannot bring themselves to scare lydia and they allow the family to stay 
Charles has the idea to turn the town into a tourist trap, thinking around the supernatural, and persuades his former boss, Maxie Dean, to visit. And Maxie, of course, demands proof of the supernatural using the handbook. Ortho summons Adam and Barbara, but they begin to decay and realize what well, he's, he th- he's starting. To, he's starting to exercise them. Yes. Yeah. Um, which, which you see that there is a room for lost souls, which are souls that have been exercised as the dead for the dead. Of course, yeah, and I will say, as a kid, like seeing like their faces where it's all like decaying, that was like a little unsettling. But I still don't think that like, um, there's it was much... scary. Yeah, not scary. It you was, know, it was more sad than yeah. anything. Yeah, um, you know, uh, Beetlejuice. Of course, he stops the exorcism and disposes of Maxie, his wife, and uh, Otho. Otho before uh, summoning, you know, a guest. Well, you missed the point. Uh, Lydia Lydia summons Beetlejuice with the promise of marrying him to save the Matlins. Yes, which again, like it's, it wasn't until like I rewatched it. Like so I mentioned, I, like I, I rewatched it yesterday, and it was like one of those where like my friend she pointed out she was like, yeah, she's like a kid, and <laughs> yeah, like this guy is at least a thousand years old. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, the, the Maylands intervene and, uh, you know, before the ceremony is completed. And, of course, Barbara, she brings in the sandworm to devour Beetlejuice. The Maitlands and Dietz agree to live in the house, you know, together. Um, although Lydia, you know, she, we mentioned she becomes more socially adjusted. She becomes more, quote, unquote, normal, you know. Um, and like, the next time we meet Beetlejuice, he's sitting in, we've all seen it, you know, people like to Photoshop the Joker next to him sitting on the couch. Like, it, it, it always comes up, uh, you know, but he's sitting there waiting for his uh, number to be called. He steals the number of a witch doctor that's sitting next to him, and then, you know, of course, yeah, we see him with the shrinking head, and, uh, yeah, that's the quick to bridge version of it. Brody, uh, we won't keep you much longer, as, of course, you know, next week we'll be having you back on to, to talk Scream um but i i actually wanted to say uh, one of my favorite quotes that i didn't say earlier was when adam goes maybe we should call that beetlemeyer guy it's like he <laughs> fucks the name up so badly <laughs> god yeah i again there's just something charming to again at like to adam just because alec baldwin doesn't normally portray these kind like these kinds of characters you know where he's more sort of just like uh more Ned Flanders than he is like fucking uh, Mr. Burns as most of his yeah. characters seem to sort of just fall into one or the other. So it is very charming to to see him do all that. Um, but Brody, again, thank you for joining us on, on this week. And for those of you who, who want some more Brody, um, well, first off, you can go back and listen to some of the other episodes or come back next week. But if they want more Brody, uh, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram. Well, if Instagram is ever coming back, uh, <laughs> at BrodyXKing. Uh pro wrestling tees under brody king and you can check out my band god's hate god's hate.us uh you can get merch there we have some shows coming up stuff like that very comfortable sweatpants that they sell i, I will say and if you go on netflix you can also catch uh brody king on uh, i think you should leave which uh, i think next week um we should talk a little bit about that because uh seeing the, i i love the first season i really like the second season but Again, very much like when it was as if Tim Robbins was like, all right, he was all in on the first season. How can we get him <laughs> to for sure come back on the second? And, uh, you know, we, we saw a little bit of Brody in there and we'll for sure talk about it next week. Uh, Brody, thank you again. And yeah, for, for, for we'll, we'll have the Brody King double feature continue right here next week. Monster, Monster, Monster.
Brody King, Brody King, Brody King. Uh, you know, uh, awesome episode with him. I, I love how passionately he talked about Beetlejuice. You know, yes. like clearly this is this man's uh, favorite movie. And, you know, again, I, I there's a kinship I, I, I like to think between he and I. And when he mentioned like, ah, Winona Ryder as Lydia was also the, the impetus for many, a, you know, a, a crush when he was younger. I was just like, yeah, Brody King is my fucking guy. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, very quickly before we get out of here, I wanted to give a, a huge thanks to um, all the patrons of the show. As we mentioned, we're at 23 patrons right now. And I think it'd be cool as fuck if we could get to 25. And again, for as low as uh, $5 a month, you know, if you wanted to sign up for this month, it's, you know, that I think it would equate to about 16 cents a day. So if you want to throw your boy 16 cents a day, um, by all means, do it. Sign up, patreon.com forward slash PWTCast. If you don't, totally cool. We still love uh, all you guys who support us here. As again, every like, every retweet, all of that means so much to us. You know, we, we love all the support we've gotten from you guys over the years. So uh, I want to give a huge shout out to some of the patrons. Uh, of course, our, our boy Steve Fees, uh, Katie Skinner, a.k.a. Katie Fabe, who I feel I will be seeing a lot more of. Um, our boy Eric Campbell, uh, Sean Levine, Moises Garcia, uh, B. Dornick, Brad, uh, my godfather, Jesus. Shout out, Jesus. Shout out, Jesus. Uh, our man, John Cena, who just celebrated a birthday. W.H. Park, who just celebrated a birthday. Brandon from New Jersey, who um, makes me feel like every day is my birthday because he's such a wonderful person. Uh, our man, Anthony Torres. Vivian, who I've still not dropped off her birthday presents. I will sometime this week, Vivian. I promise. All right? Mercury is in retrograde, and it is causing me to not come drop off your gifts. Uh, Taffy, who we'll be seeing in several weeks um you know on the cruise uh, our man ryan crossley uh hot topic joe again who we'll be seeing jonathan mayer shannon howanick our man neil flanagan the invincible man himself ryan mears joshua davis mark villanueva our little buddy jesse kohlenberg and of course clifford fraser thank you guys uh for sticking around as this has been a long episode um uh dave any final words before we get out of here no uh, you know other than We've just entered spoopy season. Uh, I I have a feeling a lot of you guys listening love Halloween just as much as we do. Uh, let the festivities begin. Pumpkin spice for everyone. And uh, let's have a great October, guys. Yeah, great October. So, so much so much fun ahead of us. And, hey, who knows? Um, you know, we might just throw in a, one, more, one or more two spooky shows in there for the hell of it. I don't know. Probably not because we're pretty busy, but uh, just always keep an eye out uh, you know, on the social media as we tend to announce that sort of stuff there. Um, but again, make sure to join us next week for the second part of this Brody King double feature. Again, we'll be talking about uh, you know the, the West Craven classic Scream. Uh, for the PWT cast, you guys, I've been Scrump. And this is Stank. And this is friend of the show, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega here. Friend of the show. We've run out of things to say here at the PWT cast. And so, I must bid you adieu. Goodbye and good night. Bang, bang.